Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take a bite out of the competition? Are you looking for ideas to make your business better? Welcome to the Core Business Show with Tim G.K. Sponsored by Apple Capital Group. At the core of every successful business, you'll find people making a difference. And with each episode of the Core Business Show, we talk with those people, examine those ideas, and explore the strategies that make them special. Now, the host of the Core Business Show, Tim G.K. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Core Business Show. I'm Tim Jacquet, your host. Today we're going to talk about executive recruitment. Uh, we are going to take a break real quick from our sponsor, and we'll be back on the air in a few moments with our, our special guest. Be back in a moment. You're listening to the Core Business Show. You're listening to the Core Business Show, sponsored by Apple Capital Group. Apple Capital Group in Jacksonville, Florida, is a commercial lender that specializes in asset-based loans, equipment leasing and financing, invoice financing, commercial real estate loans, and asset-based financing in the U.S. and Canada. Apple Capital Group is a direct lender that lends on their private equity investment portfolio. 90% of most loans are decided within two hours, and vendor funding within 24 hours after documents are completed with a one-page application. No slow no's, just a quick decision and a fast yes. To get more information about lending from Apple Capital Group, call 866-611-7457. That's 866-611-7457 to speak with one of our loan specialists. Or visit us right now at applecapitalgroup.com. Welcome back to The Core. Once again, here's Tim Jacquet. Welcome back to the program, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, today, executive recruitment. Um, Laura uh, met her at a Rainmaker event in uh, Las Vegas about a few weeks ago, and uh, she is a partner uh, director of business development at Vico Technologies outside of um, uh, is in uh, California. So we having a technical problem and we're going to put it on the air in a few minutes but in the meantime i'm going to let you listen to a song uh it is by uh, joe sample uh, it's about a couple of minutes long and we should have it online shortly
Again, that was uh, Soul Shadows with Joe Pace. Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue with the show. Uh, we probably have to get the guest later, uh, reschedule her, uh, probably have a scheduling conflict or something. So anyway, let's talk about executive recruiting. We know that right now uh, we have high unemployment, but however, it's only with certain industries that we have this high unemployment. But also, when it comes to executive recruitment, ex- uh, companies are always looking for top talent, good talent, uh, talent that has energy. And one advice that when I was talking to Laura, she said, a person really need to keep themselves out there. That's one of the the successes of having LinkedIn. You're branding yourself, you're showing your work, and you really need to market yourself before you become unemployed. When you become unemployed, that's really a little too late. So the best thing as an executive or an employee with a certain skill or certain talent, first of all, get certifications. Get industry experience in that field. Get write articles, expose yourself. And make sure you have a place that all this information can be kept. LinkedIn is, is a good opportunity because, believe it or not, a lot of headhunters go to sites like LinkedIn to look at people's profiles all the time to match them for particular positions. And at least, not only that, it allows you to keep your, what your blog articles are so they can look at your writings. They can see what on your timeline, what type of projects are you involved with? And they see if you active every single day with every I me mean, with different projects, they can get a feel for who you really are. So she always advised to go get a headhunter and always have that in your back door pocket so when you need them, you have them available. So let's see if we can bring her online. Laura, hey welcome there. to the program. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm sorry about the tech issues. Uh, we were just running a little late. I guess to begin with, kind of tell us about yourself. Uh, to begin with, our listeners like to hear personal stories, so if you don't mind, you know, share your story. Sure. So I, uh, let's see, I went to college to study music education, and through a circuitous path, went to graduate school, ended up realizing that wasn't what I wanted to do. I uh, started trying out some other career opportunities and just kind of showed up wherever I was asked, wherever I was directed, whatever was pointed in my direction. I said, I'll try that. I'll try that. And uh, eventually I was working as an executive assistant, really, really realized that I didn't want to sit behind a desk all day long, worked for an Internet company doing business development and recruiting for them. And uh, they were a startup, so when they stopped talking to each other, my friend said, you know, you have a lot in common with my girlfriend. She's a <laughs> successful headhunter. Uh, I think that you should meet with her because she's always looking for people to join her team. So long story short, I met with her. She showed me how it works. Within a month, I was making placements, putting people to work, and I thought this is really what, it, what I'm supposed to be doing. So here I am now, you know, nine years later of, of doing recruiting and headhunting. I... I have a lot of empathy for folks that are going through job transition, trying to figure out their perfect match, trying to figure out their right home for them, where they can really shine, where they can do what they're supposed to be doing. Let's back up a second. Did you say you were a music major? Yeah, I studied music education, and I went to graduate school for a while to study music therapy. From music education to from uh, the class taught to teach music in the classroom, now you head on it. <laughs> 
it's actually wow. quite, a, it's quite a smooth transition it's because I spend a lot of time educating my clients and my candidates. There you go. Yeah, so it's really not so much different. Uh, I think that background in psychology applies for everything. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I was a music major as, as well, and I have a, a degree in uh, music education as well. The kind of ironic, uh, when I was a floor trader in the 80s, uh, Alan Greenspan was a music uh, education major, so maybe music oh. education has something to, and he was the most powerful man <laughs> pretty much in the universe because he controlled the U.S. economy and the money of the world. So right. kind of ironic how music people run in circles. Well, kind of tell us about what people really need to do if they're an executive. Um, and uh, one thing you mentioned to me at uh, at the convention a couple of weeks ago, Rainmaker, that you really need to have a headhunter in your back pocket at all times. Oh, it's really helpful. Well, first of all, the first mistake that most professionals make is that they're too busy to meet with people. They're too busy. They've got deadlines. They've got obligations. They can't take a break for lunch. They can't meet with someone. And that's the biggest mistake that anyone can make because when you are out of a job, <laughs> it's already too late to start networking. You should be building your network all the time and always have lots of people that you can connect with and call upon any need, say that you are suddenly unemployed due to some restructuring, reorganizing, um, or a merger acquisition. Those are the most common reasons why people have been unemployed for the last three years. And, and if they have a network of people, they can just get on the phone, and their next job after being unemployed, their job is to get a job. So for executives that are too busy to network, they're really in greater trouble because the higher you are at your professional career chain, the longer it takes for you to get a job. So your standard average um, you know, non-executive employee, so maybe a manager, maybe even a VP, it's going to take about three months to really get a job. That's including your screening, your interviews, your negotiating. So that's conservative, three months. I've seen job offers take <laughs> much longer. And if you're if you're a C level or, you know, somewhere in that suite, it's gonna take even longer. You know. So having folks that are professional networkers, like recruiters, headhunters, that's the fastest way to jettison yourself into your next career opportunity. And oftentimes from the networking that I do with these executives, it's really, really valuable to um, have someone that can call you and say, I have a project, it's an interim fill in, would you be available to do this? And, you know, that's always something that can be an option as well for career development. Most of those project-based opportunities end up being full-time careers at some point, too. But no matter what, if you're if you're a worker bee or you're the, the C-level worker bee, it's really, really important to keep networking. And I think LinkedIn is the fastest way to do that. You know, it's really networking on steroids because you can see everyone that your friends know, which is the most useful thing. I don't know how many times I've... I've been going through trying to figure out which new company to attract or, or which new candidate to go find. And then I look through the LinkedIn profile and realize I know a handful of people that already know them, which makes it very easy for me to call them up and ask for a personal introduction. Wow. That's amazing. So kind of tell us what is a C-level, what is a management level, and what is a professional type level um, mm -hmm. for the listeners who don't know. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I think if anybody who's contributing as an individual contributor, I call them worker bees, and that can be anything from an entry level all the way up to management. When you get into a higher level where they're offering, uh, an organization may be offering various uh, compensation packages, so you might get benefits 
that are um, or extra bonuses that are based on performance, uh, commissions, um, stock options. That that puts you into that middle level um, executive place that that C VP, SCP, AVP, whatever. If you're in a bank, everyone's a VP. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but key level really are those folks that are um, at a strategic decision-making point in an organization. So even small startups have C-level folks, but they might not have a C in front of their title. But those are the folks that are really contributing at the strategic level of the growth and the direction of an organization. And those folks may only have salary, but it's highly probable that their compensation is based upon the performance of the company as well, whether they're public or private. Wow. So when you talk about networking, you mentioned networking is really essential. How a person, everybody's just not natural talkers and not natural Mm -hmm. uh, networkers. How can they pull themselves if they're not in that? I mean, they just focus in selling or focus in getting this done, and they some people walk around with four Blackberries, you know, two Blackberries on Android, and their life is just so busy. What advice do you have for them? Well, it doesn't take that long to connect with someone. The, the secret to successful networking is really the follow-up. I think that it's really important whether you're on a a 45-minute air flight (laughs) or in a um, 15-second elevator ride up, you should be able to know who you are, what you want in life. Um, So if somebody asks you or or you're put in that position that you know, I think that the first key to networking is is knowing who you are. (laughs) Now, some people don't know who they are. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it, it should be, that kind of should be a, an understand, understood, but I can't tell you how many times I've run into folks that are working in jobs. They don't really know why they're working in those jobs except that they're getting a paycheck. They don't really know what they want. They might not want anything. And so networking might not be even valid <laughs> because if you don't have a concept really of, of what you want to do and where you want to go, that, that makes it, that's the first part of it, right? That's the crux of the of networking. The second most important part is follow-up. And it's really, really simple to send an email and say, hey, I really enjoyed meeting you in the elevator on the plane in the hallway at the networking event, fill in the blanks. And I'm always available if you want. Um, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know. Uh, or connect me to my LinkedIn network. Or just have a follow-up with that. Then, A, you send out your information to them. And, B, you let them know that you're available to be of service. And it may not be obvious and it may not be immediate, but somewhere down the line, there may be an opportunity where somebody says, hey, you know, there's that person that I met, and I'm going to give them a call. I'm going to connect with them. So so you have to know your elevator pitch. <laughs> and then you have to ask. You have to ask, what do you do? You know, who might I know that you should know? Most of networking is not just you. You're mostly being the conduit where you're connecting people together and it's coming through. Sometimes it's direct, like somebody can do something directly for you and you can do something directly for them. But seasoned professionals, sales professionals all around the world know that networking is really about connecting others and being of service. Because, you know, what most people remember is not who they were connected to, but who did the connecting. Wow. So practice, how can you make an elevator speech if you don't have one? Yeah, so it's just to talk about yourself because you can talk. I mean, you can make one for your company, but how can you make one for yourself? I am a connector for people and companies. I help solve problems that organizations have when they are trying to find the right person to fill a job, and that's my elevator pitch. Wow! And then it opens up for more conversation. People can ask, you know, what kind of people, what kind of companies, and it goes on from there. 
Do you think the economy have any, any impact whatsoever uh, regarding uh, recruitment? Or companies are still recruiting for type uh, for talent? Yeah, oh, absolutely. This has been one of the busiest years in my career. Of course, I miss the Y2K boom in the tech world, but <laughs> uh, companies are, are, are assimilating talent at breakneck speed right now, but those types of talent and how they assimilate is different. So oftentimes when companies call me in because they don't have enough bandwidth, to do what they need to do internally, so they need external assistance with their hiring process, or they just don't have the the level of recruiting inside their house to bring a high-level person in. So what I've been seeing, and everything from entry level to C-level, um, you know, most companies have some concept of what they can do and what, how they want to do it. So I might have an organization that says, well, we're going to recruit on these, but if you could recruit these for us, that would be great. Uh, I've seen a lot of companies hire right out of college IT people. All they could do is a skills test to show that they know how to think. <laughs> and they're paying recruiter <laughs> fees for that. On the other hand, there are different skills where people just aren't going to pay recruiter fees because there's so many folks that they can just find them easily on their own. And so companies are more mature with how they want to spend their recruiting space, and that affects my perspective. But I'm seeing a large volume of recruiting in uh, accounting finance and in technology. And, of course, um, if you have a math or science degree, you can pretty much get a job anywhere <laughs> as that's the most applicable uh, background. But I think that from the folks that are looking still um, over the last three years, I don't think it's because there's not enough jobs. I think that they might not be in the right, um, going the right direction with what they want. What worked for them five years ago might not work today, and it might be a good opportunity to reevaluate their skill sets and their passion and what they really want to do. Wow. So the people who uh, don't have degrees but have work experience and talent, are those really remarkable, or do they really need to have that degree? I think it depends on the skill set uh, or the, the career path, right? So for a sales type position, a degree is almost non necessary because your personality and your personal skills of what you bring to the table, um, those can't be taught. Those are those are innate part of your personality. For other skills, uh, that definitely is becoming, for some of my clients, uh, a decision-making uh, deal breaker. So the, a lot of the companies I work with are hiring software engineers, hardware engineers, and um, the bigger the company, the, the tighter the requirements for university degrees, and what's really frustrating and disheartening for me are those clients that are um, pedigree pushers, right? <laughs> so they want people who come from specific schools like Harvard and Wharton and Stanford, and it's been my experience that they're not always the best candidates, but they've decided somewhere in their organizational culture that that's what they want to be a requirement for their employees. But for the most part, uh, there's, a, there's some companies that do require a degree and many companies that just require the experience. Well, so with the first of all, I mean, for example, if a person who is in IT and you specialize with a lot of IT, you know, if they have Microsoft certifications, they have at least about five or ten years of experience in that particular field. Uh, and you know, you look at uh, I think Microsoft uh, annual salaries. Are those are really on target? And uh, are they? laying off them or those are the type of employees or really it just depends on the skill set and what they need at the moment? It's mm, a really good question, Tim. And a lot of it has to do with the specific company that's doing the hiring because you can look at job 
postings out on the internet, and it would say, you know, job uh, degree required. But really, if you're talking to the folks that are responsible for making those hiring decisions, it's not a requirement, but they put that on there, on the job posting, out on the internet, as uh, some sort of uh, disqualifier so that people don't apply. And, and this is where networking really comes into place because if you know somebody within that company, you can know um, immediately if that's really a deal breaker or not. Uh, I think certifications are helpful uh, across the board, and there are certain companies now that are just, they don't have time to do all of the training and the development, so they want somebody who already has that certification and that professional development. Uh, there is so many different ways, or so many different ways to validate um, a certification, so it's really important that if you do have a certification and there's a license number or a, a certification number attached to it, to just put that on your resume as well uh, for any anything across the table so, so that uh, recruiters can validate that upon first look. I think the degree it still is, is a, a variable. I know a lot of folks that have degrees that don't do anything in their career, um, like you and I maybe. <laughs> <laughs> But but having that piece of paper, having that experience of going through university does make you a different person than somebody who's never had that experience of going through the college experience. So companies do want folks that are well-rounded, and, and that's oftentimes why the degree is important, not what the degree was. Okay. And what's the ideal person, uh, candidate, you like to take over me, take to a company? Well, they just have everything that you want. Yeah, it depends on the client. <laughs> it depends on the company. Um, when when I have companies that don't know what they want, then I want somebody who can really shine and have the personality and the skills to come in and do the job. If a company knows what they want, it helps to, to find out what types of personalities are going to be successful in their environment. So ultimately, the, the biggest most important thing when you're doing a job search is to look through a job description and look at your resume and ask yourself, do they match? And don't just misinterpret and project that, yeah, I can do this job. You need to make your resume really, really align itself with the job description. And it's kind of tricky because you can't just cut and paste different things from the description into your resume. You need to incorporate it. You need to make it really speak to that. And it's really valuable to have a different resume for each job you're applying to. So instead of just having your resume out on the um, posted on the job board on Monster or Career Builder or Hot Jobs or Job Fox or could go on for days with that. Um, it's more valuable to look at the jobs that are posted there and then match your resume up to those positions when you're submitting. Uh, so what what companies want? There's no straight answer to that. I can't I can't say that you know one specific person is going to be successful for all companies, but I can say that whatever you do put in your resume, you better be able to back up. <laughs> okay. So the consistency, um, people. Companies like to look at folks that have been in a company for a while, and depending on how, what part of the country you're living in, there's a, there's a variance of what is uh, socially, professionally acceptable. So like in California, two years is a career in any position, but in the Midwest, which is much more conservative and risk-adverse, two years makes you look like a job hopper. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so my clients in the Midwest like to see folks that have been at companies for five years, or who have progressively moved up within that company and have shown growth within that. And that's what's going to really make you, uh, set you apart from any other candidate that you're competing with in the job market. Wow. Uh, job boards like uh, Career Builder, Monster, uh, and some others, do they really help? Or are they just giving something out and they see what happens? 
Well, my recruiting team, we still rely a lot on the job boards to collect um, and create new relationships. However, mm-hmm. I, I haven't personally used a job board for eight years, so uh, my all of my jobs have been created through personal networks and personal introductions and recruiters calling me. But it's really important to, to put it out there and for folks that, you know, I think it's important to do it right away early, but not often. Like, don't submit your resume to every job out there. I Sundays are a really heavy resume um, application day, so I get hundreds and hundreds of resumes that come through on Sundays. Um, mm-hmm. It's really helpful to target those. So you can put your resume out on the Internet, but you have to realize that if you're going to be specializing your submittal to each different position, that once your resume is posted on those job boards, it's publicly printed information. You you just published it. So people, uh, recruiters have access to these job boards. They can go in and look and see what you're saying to everyone else and what you're saying to them. And it better be consistent in some capacity. <laughs> um, you know, but, so those are things to take into consideration when you're putting your resume on the job board is what is the, the most consistent, uh, simplest way I can project my skills out there to the rest of, of the job hunters people that are hunting, sorry, talent hunters. Okay. So what do they need to look for with a, a headhunter or an executive recruiting firm? It's important to ask your recruiters, folks that you're working with, like from agencies, uh, ask them if they're working directly with the client. Ask them if they have personal um, knowledge of what the client wants. There's a lot of there's varying levels of recruiting and um, some of them are working through large volumes of software. We have quite a few of those clients as well where they're not specifically working directly with the um, hiring manager but more with the hiring team and so it's hard to get direct information about the position. So ask ask your recruiter, do you know specifically? Because then you'll have a better mindset of what your odds are of getting that interview, of getting to the next level. Ask your recruiter how long they've been working with that company. Ask them, you know, if they have a a long-term relationship or if this is a new client that they're just trying to break business with. It's important for you to know as well, you know, what their relationship is because they'll be the the mediator with your relationships and your future employer. And, uh, of course, ask them, you know, what they know about, about the position, a specific position, uh, because there's a lot of recruiters that, that may be recruiting outside of their comfort zone. Like, say, if you have an engineering recruiter that's recruiting marketing salespeople, they might not know how to really um, represent you in your best possible manner. So you want to look for folks that are specialized in one way or they have long-term relationships because they're really going to um, be the best representative for you. What do they also need to do as when they consider that, what do they need to have on LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. Well, I believe that LinkedIn should be a virtual living resume for you. So you have okay. all of the different positions and your basic descriptions. You can either cut and paste from your resume and, and list those in there and then solicit recommendations from everyone that you've ever worked with because future employers are reading those, and they're basing a lot of their first decisions based on your recommendations. So ask for them. Make sure that they're representing you because you have the power to um, post them or not. (laughs) And you can ask for people to rewrite your recommendations if you'd like. Put down all of your training, any of your certifications, anything that you can in there. And also it's very, very helpful at the bottom on ways to contact you. Uh, make sure that you put some way to contact you because not everybody is a not every recruiter is a subscribing 
a member of a paid subscribing member of LinkedIn and may not have the ability to reach out to you directly there. I oftentimes recommend that candidates create their own alias for LinkedIn so that they don't have um, spam that comes into their box. They can create a you know laura.levine.linkedin at gmail.com. Um, and it's also helpful to not necessarily write it literally. So put the word at, write the word dot <laughs> in the so that the web crawlers don't come in and, and um, spam you as well. So I, I recommend making it a living, breathing uh, representation of you and use a really professional photo. It doesn't have to be taken professionally um, by a headshot photographer, but something that looks like you so that if somebody were to meet you in the entryway of a busy uh, company lobby to meet you for an interview, that they would know what you look like. It's completely illegal to put your picture on your resume in the United States, but it's really appropriate for professional networking to have people know who, what you look like. Wow. So you need to keep that update. You can't use a, shouldn't use a photo maybe 10 years old. It's so disconcerting when I go to meet with someone and their photo is 40 years ago and I don't recognize them at all. So then I spend a good portion of my time walking around the restaurant going, are you, are you, are you? (laughs) (laughs) And it makes me look like I'm I'm a single person trying to date, which is really uncomfortable. Will you? <laughs> no, but I, wow. but I put a photo out there and I change them and I update them so that they represent who I am. And then that's important as well. Uh, regarding Facebook and Twitter, uh, mm-hmm. it says we're now we're dealing with a virtual world and everything connects and everything is there. How can, you know, if they put something out there, How you can't necessarily take it back. What you're saying that even with with LinkedIn, everything needs to match consistently through all the, all the networks that has your information. But, for example, if you uh, dog a company in college, you know, say I don't like Coca-Cola because blah 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 blah, and I, I think they're terrorists, whatever. You can't necessarily take it back. Those those <laughs> things really hurt you when you're in college or you're in high school. Uh, you know, people. You know, kids are getting Facebook pages at 12. So you know, they do write something ugly about a company at 12 years old or even 18 in college. Those things are really going to hurt you. Yeah, and I do a lot of coaching on this with with job seekers. It's really important that you're consistent with yourself and cautious about what you're publishing on the internet. And I think that with the the social networking era. That whole world arena is so accessible, and you can do it in the privacy of your own home that you might think that you're in your own home talking to your personal friends. And it's really, really important, A, when you set up your Twitter or Facebook uh, profiles to really look at your privacy settings and really be aware of who you're blasting information to because you can tailor it. You can t- you can protect your tweets so that people can't just post trash on your wall. Uh, you know, whatever your level of comfort is, um, make sure that you're really aware when you're setting up your profile. Second of all, don't ever publish anything out there that you wouldn't want your mother to see. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you you talk about uh, speaking things of companies, and I don't know how deep all companies look into your past, if they go 10 years back or not, but I do know that uh, employers are looking at your, your profiles to see if you're 
consistent if you're a good person. It, you know, most companies are doing background checks on uh, credit, criminal, um, drug, um, your educational verification. They're really going deep because they're going to invest in you as an employee. They need to make sure that they're not taking a big risk and that they're going to put their own company in danger. So it's really important, and I, I have a specific example with a a candidate that had applied for a position for a, a publicly traded, you know, re highly regulated client with extensive background in drug tests. And if we had looked at his Facebook profile before, we sent him through the interviews, we would have saved ourselves a lot of time and money because we would have realized that this individual was a public proponent of medical marijuana and belonged to many um, many different medicinal spaces and that's completely not in line with what our client needed. So I don't even know if this candidate realized how they they are basically hurting their chances of getting other work in any position that requires any drug testing, but it's out there and it's very, very blatant, and people need to be cautious. More so on, on other personal statements, too. You don't want to appear too, um, too religious, too political, too bent on one angle or another, unless that is your career path and you're specifically on that as a profession, if you want to get a job in most companies, they want to make sure that you're going to be a contributor and not rock the boat. So you have to be aware about what you're posting out there and what you're reposting that your name is attached to as well, because I can guarantee you that recruiter job hunters are, um, or the companies are looking at those things very, very greatly. And they also want to know if you are really talented in the the role expertise that you're applying for, if you're actively um, doing things in there. So say if you're in the gaming space, you should be socially networking with other gaming companies. You should be, you know, um, gaming folks. You should be really interacting out in the cloud as if you would in the office. And that should be consistent as well. So, or if you're in accounting, you should be interacting with other local CPA clubs or, or you know, something that's very, very valid and applicable to your career. Okay. Lastly, kind of tell us about your company and what you do and if they want to reach out to you um, as a uh, client. Yeah. So, Vaco is a national firm. Uh, we're about 10 years old, based in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, spread out in 27 metros around the country. And we specialize in replacement of accounting, finance, technology, sales marketing, and uh, general staffing needs for various clients all over the place. And if you'd like to uh, visit us at vaco.com, www.vaco.com, there's a link to uh, how to contact people in your local area. There's also postings for all of our job career opportunities that are available all over the country. Uh, and, of course, we're we're all over the social networking space, so you can find us on, on Twitter and Facebook. We are all individually um, licensed um, offices that all operate under the, the cloud of Vaco. So, so you'll get a, a you'll get specialists in each market that really really know their their clients. They really really know the the geography, and they can really help you get to that next career move quickly. Wow! And uh, also, they can just go to your website to reach out, or go to your Facebook. Midnight yeah, Facebook, well, your you LinkedIn can, account. You can find how to find me on Vaco.com, or you can also email me at lbean at vaco.com. Um, my LinkedIn profile has also connections to my Twitter feeds and my um, Facebook 
of course, I've got a professional page in addition to my personal page, but they're pretty consistent. <laughs> yeah. And with your specialty is IT. I can't remember offhand, or is this general? Yeah. I I started doing this business with in the IT world for banking and financial services, and have really grown uh, to expand my clientele. Uh, outside of financial services into the entertainment gaming space as well as internet services and some um, other biotech, uh, but mostly web. That's, those are my clients. I help them build their engineering uh, software development sides and, and IT infrastructure as well as their um, any of the other business functions that need to support the technology companies. Great. Well, Laura, I really appreciate you coming on the program and sharing us uh, your information. And your link, uh, again, they can reach you out on LinkedIn and just a spelling of a name to make sure we have it correct. Mm-hmm. So it's L as in Lama, A-U-R-A, L-A-B as in Boy, I-N as in Nancy E. Laura Lebanese. Okay. Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for inviting me. I was glad to be part of it. Same here. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Again, this has been another production of the Core Business Show. You can download this episode on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Everybody have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim J.K. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Core Business Show with Tim J.K. For more information about equipment financing and asset-based loans, visit our website, applecapitalgroup.com. That's applecapitalgroup.com. Or call us at 866-611-7457. We hope you'll join us for our next episode. And remember, you can always get to the core via iTunes. You'll find all our previous episodes there. And thanks again for listening to The Core Business Show with Tim Jacquet. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.